Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome into another bonus episode of Five Out. We got a special one for you guys today. We got one of Tyler's former teammates, uh, played for Michigan University when I was at Northwestern and Tyler was at Indiana. And uh, he played for the OKC Thunder, was drafted in the first round of the 2014 NBA draft. Mitch McGeary got a lot to talk about. And this is the first time he's done an interview since he called it a career back in 2016, right, Ty? Well, I did find one local article. I think Mitch talked to, I think, the Post Tribune about bowl and how that was his next sport after basketball. It was very short, so okay. not technically his first interview, but I would say probably this is the best interview since uh, he's ended his playing career and decided not to play basketball anymore. So, okay. yeah, really, I, I'd call it an exclusive first interview. And if you're new to the show, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at 5OutPod. You can find Tyler on Twitter at TylerDevitt. Matt, who's not with us for this episode, Matt underscore Medeiros01, and I am at Nick underscore Fryer. We are on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify. Leave a rating and review. It helps the show out a ton. We really appreciate it. Let's get it going. Look, I'm just trying to be alright with it, yeah I'm just trying to be alright with it, yeah I'm just trying to see the light in it I think we should take a ride with it I'm just trying to spend the night with it, yeah I just want to be alright with it, yeah all right, Ty, so you provided us with this awesome interview. I'm very excited to hear what Mitch has to say. There's a lot going on with him uh, and his how his career ended and what he went through throughout it. Do you want to start things off with him? Yeah, so Mitch is my boy. We went to high school together, even started out playing, what, youth basketball with Steve Hominer at what age, Mitch? Like six, seven, maybe? Or fourth grade, we are uh, oh, no, it, was, nine, it was before that. We were playing the YMCA uh, little kids in the, in the gym with the carpet that had the carpet yeah, for us. Yeah, uh, yo. Yost Elementary. Yost Elementary. Eight or, yep. eight or nine years old, man. Yeah, so me and Mitch go way back. Um, same age, grew up same town, always hung out. You know, he was always kind of the, the goofy, uh, taller than everyone kid, not coordinated. And I was, you Who know. good ball? No. Actually, Mitch was not good as a kid. Mitch was not good. No. No. He'll, t- he'll be the first one to tell you he was super wow. awkward, not good at basketball. Baseball was a sport. Get out. Damn good at baseball. He, could, he could pitch because he had the long arms. He's six, he wasn't 6'10". At as a 12-year-old, uh-huh. but he could get to home plate quicker than everyone else because he had the long legs and long, long Mitch, arms. why didn't you tell me that before when I was telling you that I played at Northwestern? Uh, well, I asked about you and, uh, you know, how many years <laughs> you played there, so I do have an interest in baseball. Uh-huh. Uh, Tyler and I are still big, avid Cubs fans, uh, you know, being from the Chicagoland area, you know, I'm sorry to say, if, if right. you got some Southsiders on, on the mic. Uh, <laughs> You're fine. Or, or the people up in Boston, you know, but, uh, you know, I love the Cubs, and uh, I was a baseball fan growing up, and uh, I played travel growing up, but uh, just kept growing, so I figured basketball would work. <laughs> Left-handed hitter, by the way. Left-handed hitter. Yeah. What, what did you top Left, out Lefty at? jump shot, left-handed hitter. All right, makes sense. What did you top yeah, out I, on the mound? I throw I throw right-handed, but I, I threw in the low 80s, but that, that was when I was like 15 and okay. never really He, he could have you know, probably went pro. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so he was he he grew into his body. 
Eventually, yes. Yeah. It eventually happened to him. <laughs> we, were, we weren't really sure if it was going to happen to Mitch, if he, would get, if he was going to give up the game. You know, we actually had to tell Mitch, don't quit eighth grade basketball. You are a freak. Like, you have a gift of a body for a basketball player. And he was going to give it up in the eighth grade. Really, Mitch? Yeah. Uh, yeah, actually, uh, I was telling the story last week. Uh, Tyler and my other buddy Andrew Bobrowski, we call him Bo, and uh, they had they kind of came and got me after the first day of tryouts, and I wasn't there. And uh, they said, "What the hell are you doing?" I was like, oh, "Man, I don't know, man. It's just hanging out. I think I was skateboarding or bowling or some shit like that." And uh, <laughs> you know, he was like, "You got you're like six four, dude. You better get your ass out to tryouts." And uh, next day, I was there. So. <laughs> Yeah, so he didn't want to play, and we obviously had to convince him to do so. We, we saw some promise, but I think if you asked all of our friends back in little old Chesterton, Indiana, the two one nine, as we say, I don't think <laughs> any, I don't think any of us would have told Mitch. Everyone's got an area code they rev. Yeah, of course. Uh, yeah. So any, anyways, I don't think any of our friends would have told you that Mitch would have ended up having the career that he did. I, I don't think I would have ever thought he was going to go to the NBA. Mm-hmm. Just for him to be in the Big Ten and kind of get those calls from John Beeline and Tom Crean. And we'll start with mm. Mitch's story eventually and kind of build it build it up. But I don't think that I personally ever thought, Mitch, that you would ever make it to become an NBA player, play in the Big Ten. What about you? Did you ever think that you would achieve either of those things? Uh, to be honest, at, at a young age, no, because uh, I was interested in baseball and uh, you know, I, I tried football a few years i used to like soccer growing up so basketball wasn't like my forte you know running up and down the court uh, as you said before i was very uncoordinated until you know i kind of grew into my body about 16 and 17 and so kind of we'll go back to high school we'll actually fast forward to high school and our basketball team was terrible, very, very bad. <laughs> really? Especially worse once Mitch left. We went 2-19. and 19. Thank you, Mitch, for that senior year. Anyway, so Mitch, uh, go to our junior no year, and Mitch is starting to kind of explode in the recruiting scene, Six foot ten, probably 230, 240, starting to grow into his body, and, and the college coaches around the state are like, ooh, we got something here. Mm-hmm. And so he ends up getting recruited and chooses the University of Michigan. And at this time when he chose Michigan, I believe, Mitch, you were, what, the number two recruit in the country? Maybe even been number one by some services, correct? Yeah, I was number two behind Shabazz Muhammad. Shabazz. He's not a role player up in Minnesota. But, yeah, it was you and Shabazz <laughs> were, were, like, the crown jewels of that recruiting class. You chose Michigan. A, why did you choose Michigan? And, B, do you, do you felt like maybe another Big Ten team or anywhere else in the country, you know, well, who, who? I guess the better question is, who was the runner-up behind Michigan? Um, I chose Michigan first off because uh, it was close to home, and I like to love the Big Ten, I love the atmosphere, I love the uh, the physicality of the Big Ten, and um, you know my parents couldn't see me play in high school because I ended up transferring, and so I wanted to be close to home. And another reason, the final reason, was because of Glenn Robinson. Uh, him going there, and he had already committed. And then finally, after I committed, Spike Albrecht ended up going there. And so to have two of uh, you know your closest teammates who I played with in travel ball and AAU with uh, the SYF out of Gary, Indiana, 
uh, it was cool to have them come and play together at uh, University of Michigan together. So when I look at the recruiting class that you had in Michigan that year, Mitch, you had Stauskas, you had Glenn, yourself, uh, Hardaway was already there, and then Karis Tim Levert. Hardaway, yes. Yeah, yeah, Tim Hardaway was already there. He was a junior that year. And then Karis Levert's there, too. You brought up Spike. But Karis, I mean, right now, he's the best guy out of that class in the NBA. Obviously, he's with the Nets now, just got that extension. Did you expect him to kind of blossom into the guy that he's become at the NBA level? Oh, yeah, for sure. We always really? saw Karis had a high ceiling. Yeah, uh, just because he didn't grow into his body. He had came into Michigan, you know, he was he had just turned 18 in August when That's he got right. there. And he was so young. He had like a 6'6 frame, still growing, weighing like a buck 80, soaking wet. So he put on <laughs> a lot of muscle. You know, Karis is a lengthy, uh, you know, he's got long arms. You know, he's crazy shifty on defense. Coach Beeline put him in the top of that one-three-one zone, and uh, you know he just wreaked havoc. So let's fast forward because people can Google your career and figure out what you did there. The reason I wanted to bring you on today, Mitch, is because a I've never had a podcast until now, and I always wanted to get you on. And b I think your story is super interesting to people who don't know you. You don't need to know about Mitch McGarry, the basketball player, to find your story interesting. So. You broke out at the University of Michigan, played well, played well in the NCAA tournament, and now we get fast forward to your sophomore year at U of M in Ann Arbor, and you're on, what, the number two preseason team in the country by some services. You're projected to be a first-round pick, uh, possibly lottery in some projections. Um, so that brings me to my next question. I'm looking at a story from Dan Wetzel, and I'm sure you know exactly what story I'm talking about here. Um, this was right after you got popped for smoking marijuana at an NCAA tournament. It wasn't at the actual game, but that's where the test took place. Mm-hmm. And Mitch, can you explain to me why that was super important in your story that you failed a test by the NCAA <laughs> and not just a regular one by the Big Ten or University of Michigan? Yeah, uh, I will tell you. Um, I've told you this, you know, personally. Well, tell uh, the podcast, okay? I will. <laughs> I will. Yeah. I, uh, I would, but I'm going to tell you again. Um, you know, I had just came off back surgery, and um, in January, you know, this is March, late March, or this is early March, isn't it? Yeah, this is when we had just played Tennessee in the Sweet 16, and um, you know, we had a random drug test in NCAA. I wasn't even suited up. I was wearing a student tie. I mean, I could barely travel with the guys. I don't even know why my name was even on the roster to and begin you're with. You're sitting on the bench at this time, right? Like you're you're in a yeah, suit and tie not, on I'm, the bench, not playing. Yeah, not playing. I'm just trying to. I'm rehabbing. I'm in you know month two of rehab. You know, I could barely walk the first right. month, and um, you know, there's no way in hell I'm even you know stepping on a court to do anything, any physical, you know, movements or anything. So I'm. We uh, after the game, they you know we got a drug test and uh, they called my name and I had uh, you know I wasn't really smoking a lot but I had smoked before so uh, and I was like well you know this is we'll see how this goes and uh, I wasn't aware it was like the NCAA I just thought it was like Michigan so um, you know I got in a little bit more trouble than I should have but uh, I don't you know I don't think I even should have got tested because I wasn't even shouldn't have been on the roster to begin with but um, but uh, you know that's so here, that's how it goes. But, uh, you know, I'm not really mad about it. It just uh, happened the way it did. And, you know, I, sh- you know, I shouldn't have done it. But uh, do I regret it? No. And um, I like, uh, you know, nowadays I uh, I smoke recreational marijuana. And, uh, you know, I enjoy myself. I'm 
not playing anymore, but uh, I don't think that was the reason uh, that caused me to end my career in uh, a couple short years. So there was a lot there in that answer. I want to go back to just the testing process there with the NCAA, and obviously you took the test. When you got handed the test, Mitch, did you know immediately you were in fail? No, not really. I didn't know. Uh, I, it was kind of a chance. I had, uh, I had to tell you, I had back surgery about two months before that, so I didn't. Uh, you know, they gave me all these pain pills and whatever. You know, and I don't like pain pills to get mess in my stomach. So you know, I just go take it, take a hit off a joint or right. something, feel fine. And um, you know, I think I did it probably like two and a half, three weeks before that or something. So I really wasn't like worried but i was like oh man this might be a chance and then you know a couple months or months later after the season was over we had lost uh you know i had a meeting uh with the coaching staff and whatnot and they had told me i'd failed but uh you know you live and you learn so so i'm curious mitch i know when i was playing they weren't like i remember dealing with some guys who like i had one teammate my freshman year who tore his uh it was his acl he tore and then he got drug tested a ton and i i don't remember if the if northwestern warned us that guys who are injured are more likely to get drug tested but i know that happened to other guys through the years did you have anybody that gave you any kind of warning like that any kind of insight that that may happen no, not really. I uh, never got any, you know, insight of whether or not I was getting tested. You know, I, I wasn't even playing. I wasn't even part of any of the team, like you know, stuff on the court. I was always doing rehab in, you know, in the training room. So during those times, and when I was uh, injured, I was pretty distant from the team. I didn't even get to travel with them a lot. I didn't. Uh, we ended up winning Big Ten championship on the road to Iowa, and I'm, I was upset I didn't get to travel with the guys. Um, so I, you know, I was just distant from the team and I didn't think anything was going to happen of it, but you know, I ended up getting tested and shit happens. So the reason that the failed test at the NCAA tournament kind of forced your hand, Mitch, if people don't know, was because the NCAA has some ridiculous, like some of the worst rules five or six years ago when it no, comes to the marijuana. NCAA, really? Yeah, the NCAA has wow. some stupid rules in general. They're run by <laughs> some dumb motherfuckers. I mean, it's some stupid people run, I mean... There are some dumb people that just have no idea what goes on in college athletics running the NCAA. But that's beside the point. So, Mitch, I'm looking at the punishment, the letter of the law of the punishment of failing a test at the NCAA. You know this. Uh, So the punishment is a minimum one-year suspension from all competition. Your first failed test here, Nick Fryer. You smoke one hit off a joint. You're done for the entire year because you sucked that smoke into your lungs. That is so stupid, Mitch. I know you feel the same way. Did you have any clue that a NCAA failed test would be a one-year suspension? Because I certainly had no idea. No, I did not know it was going to be a year, actually, until I had to look it up. But uh, I think I'm the reason that they changed it to half of the year. You are. And I, and, and, wow. um, I don't know if you remember this, but like two weeks after you appealed your decision and was, of course, denied by those uh, by the yep, NCAA, yep. by the NCAA, they changed the rule. They changed. They, they changed the rule. So wow. if you go back to it, I'm trying to find it here. On April 15th, the NCAA back in 2014, just days after the appellate ruling, its legislative council agreed to a full season ban that it was too strong for a first time <laughs> recreational drug failure. So not only did Mitch get popped by this rule. It was force, forcing him to basically decide, hey, do I want to sit out a year and then stay at Michigan, or should I bounce and go to the NBA? Ugh. This rule, archaically dumb as it is, 
cause Mitch to, like I just said, force his hand and leave. And then days after he uh, his appeal was denied, they changed the rules saying it was too strong. Man, that doesn't so seem it, fair, Mitch. Yeah. That does not seem fair. Uh, you know, yeah, I mean, that's just the card I was de- not dealt, but, you know, it's the card I, you know, I dealt myself, I guess, got myself in a hole, and, uh, you know, that was only one of the ways out. But uh, but if you had taken that test uh, at, Ann Ar- at Ann Arbor on the University of Michigan campus, it would have only been 10% of a season, which is three games. So we're yeah, talking like no, three games versus just, season. Yeah, I know. It's crazy. It's crazy that they had uh, switched the, you know, switched the punishment right after that, after I had appealed it. And, um, you know, I'll tell you a little bit about the appeal. I had to write a formal letter and everything, and they couldn't know who I was really? and what, what university I was coming from. And, uh, you know, I wrote what happened. It was a one-time thing. And, um, you know, I don't know what the test numbers say, but it was probably, like, minuscule because I wasn't smoking at the time like that. And, um but, uh, you know, and they, I talked to him on the phone, a p- group of representatives from the NCAA, and uh, Coach Beeline, a couple other coaches were with me, and um, I think the AD was in there. And, uh, you know, they just uh, basically said, you know, we, we'll get back to you, but we thanks for you talking to you, and that was it. I said a couple words, and then got a call later, and they're like, yeah, we denied your appeal. And I was like, all right. Wow. It, was like, it was like 10 minutes later, too. And so they didn't think hard about it. Uh, yeah. and, uh, <laughs> it doesn't sound like it. <laughs> Jeez. So, uh, yeah, but, you know, so it happens. <laughs> but you ended up going to the – you declare for the draft. You go to the Thunder. You're a first-round draft pick. And, I mean, a, I mean that organization at the time, yeah, they didn't have Harden. But I, was Serge still there when you got drafted? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, man. Serge was there. Kendrick Perkins, Katie, Russ. Reggie Jackson, Jeremy Lamb, Perry Jones. We had a squad. Nick Carlson. <laughs> it's 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 so remarkable that somehow in the era of KD and Russ that there was never a, a title winning team. I know they got there before you were there, but yeah. I mean, you look back on that that bunch. Are you surprised still that they they never won it? Won once. Um, well, in 2012 was their chance, right? And right. After the Heat. Um, you know, I thought we we could get back if we could beat the Warriors my rookie year, and um, you know we were up three to one, and and I was sitting on the bench like, man, this is this is this is an opportunity if we can get these guys off, and you know it might be a cakewalk to the finals, but um, you know it ended up not not happening. And the next year we tried and had some more injuries, and then just didn't happen that way. And then Katie uh, went up and left, so. You know, I, I thought that uh, they had, you know, great careers as, as the Thunder, both of them, him and now that Russ is gone. Yeah. Um, they did phenomenal things. I mean, you know, MV, both MVPs, but um, scoring titles for Kevin, you know, unbelievable things. Like, they're superstars in their own. And um, cooler people, too, to be honest. Ty and I were talking about that, and he was like, I might ask you some questions. I was like, yeah, man. But, uh, you know, I was just, you know, I I just don't think they had enough they had, they had enough. I don't know if they had a big guy who was really dominant. They had Perkins towards the end of his career and really right. no other defenders. They had Serge, but that was when Serge was kind of up and coming. They just couldn't get the job done, uh, you know. And then this, you know, the Spurs were just that's they're so hard to beat. I keep thinking about them. They keep running into them in the playoffs, so. They're a machine over there in San Antonio. It's they, unreal. They are. Uh, you mentioned your boy Kevin Durant, and he's obviously in the news with whatever he does. And a lot. He had a recent Wall Street Journal article where he kind of details about 
he doesn't like to go to work some days, which is like every other American. And he doesn't like the the superstar treatment that the NBA players get. And obviously, Mitch, you weren't a superstar on Durant's level. But do you think he's kind of uh, misunderstood at all? Or do you think that the Kevin Durant that we see in the media, his answers to those questions is, is who he is? Uh, like I told you last night, he's probably the most humble uh, and down-to-earth superstar that there is. Um, he's a regular dude, and you know, at the end of the day, he wants to go home and hang out with his boys and play some 2K or put some Madden, you know, and uh, you know, wake up and go hoop again. You know, I, he was never a guy who never wanted to be there, and he was vocal, you know, on the court. And people always say, you know, he's not a vocal guy or leader. Um, you know, you just got to see him on the court and you know, get to know the dude, like. I couldn't I couldn't go play on a court regular five five regular Joes and you know try and have a chemistry you know it takes time to build chemistry and uh, if you're not really playing with them on the court then you know how can you even judge that so so when we've we, you know Ennis Cantor is now in Boston he's he signed with the Celtics in the off season and one person he's talked about a fair amount in his career who he, he appreciates immensely is uh, is Russell Westbrook and he talked highly of Durant too but I'm curious we see what he's like with the media and how he can be a little bit short at times and now he's got a different setting he's in Houston I'm curious what's he like what was he like with you guys what was it like playing alongside him is, is does Cantor play pay um, paint an accurate portrayal of what he was like as a teammate uh yeah I don't I don't remember uh everything Anna said hopefully it was all good it things. was all good um, it was he said is the best yeah. teammate he's ever played with unreal man I mean if you're his teammate he, the guy's gonna go out and you know take a bullet for you all, all day every day practice doesn't matter what it is the dude just, just non-stop non-stop 110 percent so like if if you're his teammate you're like all right I'm playing with this guy this is the best thing ever so like I didn't people say he takes too much shots you know now he's oh you got to pass more and like whatever that's just critics like, but he's going to do what he wants to do and play the game the right way, and he does that every single possession. So uh, I, I'm going to go back to Kevin Durant here. I'm looking at a headline from the Oklahoman, your guy Barry Trammell, Mitch. you remember Barry Trammell? <laughs> yeah, they don't like him too much. I didn't have a problem with him. I think a lot of I think <laughs> I heard they don't like him. A yeah. lot of that stems from this headline. It is after the uh, Grizzlies-Thunder series, and the quote is, Mr. Unreliable. And it's yeah, got a picture of Kevin Durant. What, what was the feeling in the locker room about the Barry Trammell headline? Obviously, it was unfair, but just take me inside the locker room on that one. I, I think I think that was before I was there. Uh, I thought um, it might have been, and then he or he got. I know he got a lot of heat from that. But, oh, he uh, always got heat from Barry Trammell. That guy loves to push. Yeah, push um, you know, I just I, I didn't have a problem with that guy, but he, that guy always pushes buttons with Russ and Kevin, um, but. You know, we don't really let the you know the media get into the locker room too much. We kind of just did our own thing, and uh, you know, they're in there immediately right after the game. You know, taking pictures and you know doing interviews. But you know, what usually stays in house is in house. So like, you know, nothing really arose of it. You know, Kevin came back and to to his job the next day and was busting ass and probably dropped thirty five and fifteen. So I mean, <laughs> nothing new. Right. So you you know what, Mitch? You bring up the social media stuff, and it's such a it's changed so much. I mean, from when we were in college to now, even. I mean, it wasn't it was non-existent. I feel like when we were in high school. From, I mean, Facebook was there, but it wasn't what we see now. And I checked your Twitter uh, before the show because I know Tyler tagged you in the tweet on the podcast. And I looked at your Twitter, and you had your last tweet was in was September of last year, almost a year to the day we're recording this. And then before that, it was I think 
2017 was the last time you had tweeted something out. I know you're still active on Instagram, but is it? Um, is it I can't really tell, man. It's probably probably that. I probably retweeted something last year. But yeah. uh, I don't get on Twitter. You know, I'm not a Twitter guy. As soon as Trump got on there, I got off. So. Uh, <laughs> you, can't, you can't avoid that kidding. now. You can't avoid no, it. Um, no, I'm just messing. I, you know, I just that's just too much for me. You know, I had to delete it off my phone. I don't really care what people are saying. And I don't really care to voice my opinion that much. If I do, then, uh, you know, I'll voice it in the way that I, that I want to, but Twitter's not really for me anymore. So you mentioned Twitter's not for you anymore, but I personally do see people on Instagram come at you like, Oh, Mitch, you got to put down the joint or Mitch, why aren't you playing? Really? Oh yeah. I see this all the time. Mitch, don't you certainly still to this day get people that comment on your Instagram stories or or posts, right? Every day, man. Uh I mean, it's crazy. I'm like, dude, I don't know. I haven't been playing for a few years now and you know, I don't I don't really get it. People want to come spread hate, you know, just on stuff where I'm not even it's, it has nothing to do with it. I think it might be a picture of my dog or something and they're like, dude, <laughs> You were awesome. Where you at now? Nah, you stuck or something like that? I'm like, yeah, my dog sucks now. Like, yeah, like, <laughs> like you know, I don't just, talk I just about Nala like that. Yeah, I just joke with people and like, you know, I love, I love Instagram. I don't, I love social media and the fact that I can, uh, you know, interact with you know fans and you know friends on there and family. But you know, sometimes people just go over the line and um, you know they just got to be put in their place. <laughs> So you talk about how you're using marijuana recreationally now, and obviously you've had the issue in college at the end, which is unfortunate. But when it, when you were in the pros, you know, I, I'm a little naive to how often it, it gets used by guys. I hear different things about baseball, and then there's the whole thing with football. Obviously, we have Josh Gordon around here. Was that a thing in the league when you were playing? Were there guys using it in some capacity that you know of? Uh, I mean, I was a little bit. I mean, that's why I got flicked in the NBA, bit. too. Um, so, yeah, a little bit, you know. My first year, I, I did an off season, but then I got hit with a, a fine because I failed a test uh, oh. my rookie year, and uh, that's why I got suspended uh, five games, and then it ended up turning into 15. But, um, yeah, I, know, I don't know. There's a few guys that do. I mean, there's probably a lot of guys that do now. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I'm not going to say any names, you know, some guys that I know. But, you know, I mean, whatever. If if guys want to use that as to, you know, you know, relax their body. And it's painful, man. It stress, stressed you out. Basketball is stressful. So, you know, if you want to use weed to, you know, cope with whatever, I'm all for it. You know, I'm. I'm a recreational user, and you know, I, but I think the the rules should change a little bit. Um, as there's Tyler and I were talking about Royce White and mental health, and um, he had an uh, interview. I didn't have seen it, but Ty. Had, well, yeah, we'll get to that in a minute. I do want to ask okay. you what yeah, is what is the NBA drug policy? How does it work? Just walk us through people who obviously didn't play in the NBA. How does that whole thing work? Um, you, I mean, basically, you get tested just like in the college. Uh, how, I don't how know many how many times? we got. How, I don't like... know how many we got in college. I think you get four in the NBA, and uh, if you fail, you got to go into a program, and then the guy, and then you got to get uh, you got to take a piss test like twice a week, and some dudes got to watch your dick and <laughs> why you piss, and uh, it's very uncomfortable. 
And so once you're in the program, though, do they keep like a closer eye on you like the NFL does? Just a random drug test yeah, anytime or what? Closer eye on you. And then if you fail the test within the program, then that's when the suspensions start coming. So oh, if you can figure that out, that's pretty much what happened to me. So you at the end of your career, Mitch, you obviously just mentioned that 15-game suspension. That's still standing right now. If you did decide to come back to the NBA, you would have that. Really? I, I want to get oh, yeah. I want to get to that eventually at the end of the interview. Oh, and, and the Royce White stuff. I got some stuff I want to ask my boy here. Oh, okay. But I want to ask you, uh, last thing for me, on the court, your last game you ever played in, Mitch, was March 18th at Philadelphia. You played six and a half minutes or so. Not a bad game for you. Um, Billy Donovan wouldn't give you playing time in year two. I don't know why. Um, but you, you last played in March of 2016. Bullshit. It looks like. Yeah, <laughs> Billy's. Another... I want to hear about Billy Donovan in a second. Go ahead, yeah. Ty. Um, so your last, <laughs> your last game was then, and you kind of, but correct me if I'm wrong, but you, you, you just stayed home. Like the, the last like 12 games out of the season. Um, did, am, I, am I wrong by categorizing it as you just didn't decide to go? And why did you do that? I think uh, you know, we had talked about it briefly. I had to remind myself, like, what the hell I was doing. Um, you know, I, I'm pretty sure I was in a walking boot, and I had hurt my foot, and uh, I just said, fuck it, and was like, you know, I'm not going to play. You're not going to give me an opportunity. Uh, you know, that's kind of bullshit, but, uh, I mean, that's just the way I was looking at it. It was the end of the season, and I was getting towards the end of the season, and, uh, you know, I, I had worked for work my ass off to get an opportunity and the opportunity didn't present itself uh, for whatever reason and I'm not uh, making excuses I'm just that's just what happened and I decided not to go on a trip to Dallas I believe and I ended up making it down there I think my sister ended up coming to get me and driving me down there um, the, the Dallas know, trip well, that was the first round series in 2016 so you finished out the regular season by not going to those last 12 games and then that first round series was Dallas yeah Okay, so let me ask you about about Billy Donovan because I know when things kind of broke down in OKC this past summer um, with Paul George leaving, Russ leaving afterwards. But although we heard rumors that Russ and him had kind of been talking beforehand too, I know when all those moves shook down, they end up getting Shea and they end up getting Chris Paul. That Sam Presti holds a press conference, and I actually think it was Barry Trammell. It might have been Eric Horn, both of the Oklahoman, that asked him about uh, uh, Sam Presti about his relationship, uh, Russ's, with Billy Donovan. I'm just curious, how do you feel that he meshed with guys at the pro level? Obviously, he was successful like in college. Uh, what was I mean? Sounds like the experience didn't end well with him, at least for, on your end. Yeah, um, I mean, I thought it was a good relationship. Uh, I like Billy Donovan. I didn't have an issue with him. I think he's a great coach at the college level, and he's a decent coach at the NBA level. Um, did I really learn a lot from him at the NBA level? No, not not really. Um, but uh, I would have liked a you know a better shot. Uh, I didn't think I just des- or I got one, but I thought I deserved it. Um, but I think his relationship uh, with the other guys were good, you know, especially the superstars, Russ, KD, uh, Serge. They were, you know, they were all, uh, you know, pretty close to him and had a good relationship with him. And uh, I thought my uh, my second year, when his first year there, uh, you know, we had a legitimate shot coming into the season, uh, at, you know, being a, having being a contender for the finals. Okay. Now, to bring it back real quick to um, the marijuana stuff, because I, I know Ty wanted to ask about the mental health things, too. I was, I'm was i curious, you know, we hear all the time about football players 
in the NFL, they should allow them to have marijuana because, or yeah, use marijuana because of the the beating that they take. We hear it primarily though with football, and that's it. We don't hear it with NBA guys. And I'm curious, as someone who who's such a proponent of it, uh, why do you think that it's so vital to NBA guys? Because I, I at first wouldn't think. That's something that you guys would necessarily need just because, you know, football, I look at it as they take a pounding. I know you guys are playing 82 games a year and all that stuff, but it just to me, I wouldn't think of that for you guys initially. Right. Um, yeah, and a lot of people don't. Um, you know, football, you see them taking, taking hits, so, you know, obviously the physicality is there. Basketball, the physicality is, is just as much, you know, with, without the pads. You know, we're out there. I mean, we're going at each other. I'm 265 going up against Zebo, who's 285. <laughs> you know, I'm taking elbows to the ribs and shit and, you know, expect me to, you know, not, uh, you know, have anything after the game. You know, guys need need something, man, to, you know, cope with the pain instead of all these, uh, you know, prescription drugs that are bad for you. Also, um, it's very stressful, you know, in terms of the mental aspect of it. Um, guys are really uh, – you know, put on a pedestal in the NBA. I hate to say that, but everybody sees our face. And, you know, we're, everybody's tall, you know, 6'5 and over. And uh, people view us differently and, you know, they treat us differently. They, they don't treat us like normal human beings. So when when guys view people differently, it it go it p- takes, uh, you know what I'm saying, it's, it's hard for guys to cope with that. So mm-hmm. when people are being viewed like KD, he doesn't like the superstardom. And that's what I'm talking about. That's another thing. Uh, guys probably don't like that. I certainly didn't like that, and that's why I turned to marijuana. So, by the way, I love the Zebo drop. I lo- I'm a big, I'm very uh, softy for the Grizzlies for sure. Zebo also a marijuana proponent. Oh really? Yeah, Zebo, yeah. Zebo is probably uh, one of my favorite players and probably the hardest to guard. Uh, people always ask me who's your who's your matchup, and I say really? Zebo. And he's an Indiana brat too. Oh so. yeah. <laughs> not not to go off on a tangent, but I think he was busted at like some street party in California this off season. Zebo was with like multiple jars on his person. Oh, no kidding! He, yeah, so he, like he, I think he he actually got charged or was originally looking at getting charged for intent to distribute, but that's a whole nother story. Uh, Mitch, I only got a few more questions here for you. One of the biggest surprises for me was your former coach John Beeline going to the NBA. Not just him leaving Michigan was a shock to me and to go to the Cavs not in a real history of success without LeBron James. A, how do you think Beeline will do in the NBA? And B, um do you think that it'll it'll work? Um I hope it does, man. Um I'm pulling for him. I think uh coach Beeline was a great coach for me at Michigan. Uh great coach in all of college basketball. He coached all over D3, D2, D1. And uh, I think he just wanted to, you know, reach the highest level in the NBA and uh wanted to give coaching a shot. He's getting a little older and wanted to give it a shot. Like uh he's got Stauskas with him and um I mean, Larry Larry Nance is K-Love still with the Cavs. He is. You know, He's I, still there. I, they yes. got they got a young team. I like Colin Sexton. You know, we'll see what John Coach can do because uh, he's got an NBA system. He has, always has. And, uh, you know, if he can run it the right way and guys can move the ball, I mean, people are going to get shots. So we'll see. And, I'm you know, I'm pulling for him. Uh, one more question for you, Mitch. Um, I want to go back to the mental health stuff. You mentioned Royce White, and I want to play this cut, and I want to get your reaction to it. Royce White only played two career games 
in the NBA, but he's kind of ha- he kind of has a loud voice now talking about Carmelo Anthony getting blackballed. And this was one that really caught my ear, and I wanted to ask you about uh, Mitch. It's him talking about mental health, and he feels like he's been blackballed from the NBA because he asked for help. Here's the cut from Royce White in some random arena, you know, locker room, whatever, uh, on the Big Three circuit, which is uh, what he's playing on now. Here's Royce White. There is a real roadblock in access to care for common citizens. The players don't have that. They have the best health care premiums, the best health care insurance packages that money can buy, platinum health care. And so they have no problem going to a team and saying, hey, listen, I need to see a psychiatrist or I need a therapist. The question is, what do they risk in doing it? And the single biggest deterrent for them to access the care, any care that the league would offer, would be the fact that I was blackballed for asking for those things. Right. And so until they rectify that, I don't, it's almost laughable that they think this new policy that they've put forward, where they're going to mandate that every team hire or retain a mental professional, is going to do anything but have the players go, why would I go to that person? when Royce is still hanging out there blackballed in the prime of his career. So, A. Mitch, do you buy that Royce White was blackballed? I personally don't. And is it surprising that there isn't already some sort of mental health program uh, involved in the NBA to get guys the help they deserve? Yeah, um, I I don't know if he was blackballed. Um, We had talked about him being drafted the year before me, and uh, I knew that he had uh, a phobia of not flying. You know, he had some issues there, but... Uh, I think he got over that stuff and was now he's trying to be an advocate of mental health. And, uh, you know, if he wants to get back in the league, I hope they give him that opportunity because uh, if you're asking for help, I mean, this uh, it goes back to Andrew Luck. People are booing him, but it's like, what if a guy went out and, you know, committed suicide the night before or the day after? Like, you know, but instead he's asking for help. He's, he's going out. He's This guy's Andrew Luck is retiring in this sense, but uh, he's asking for help and, I think the only thing we can do is ask for help. I, we had a, uh, excuse me, I'm kind of going on there. We had a, a doctor who uh, was a psychiatrist, and she was part of our team in OKC, and Miss Angela. She was awesome, man. I talked to her every day. And we had, we didn't have to go in there, but we did because we enjoyed going in there and talking to her. Now, and, that's uh, that's not know. the head trainer, right? That's a different person, correct? No, they hired they hired a psychiatrist for the team. I okay. mean, most teams do it nowadays. Uh, I believe I would. It's the smart thing to do. But it is surprising that there is not a uh, you know a mental mental health program. Uh, you know, and because there's you know there's like a drug program, but there's no mental health program. Like, but I mean, they kind of go hand in hand. You know what I'm saying? So right. why wouldn't they? Why wouldn't there be a mental health? But um, yeah, to go back to that. Um, you know, we had a doctor in there, and I went and spoke to her daily, and so did all the other guys. And, you know, she kept her stuff confidential from the team. If anything, you know, happened, you know, obviously it had to be told. But, you know, we just dealt with our problems through her, and she, you know, helped. She listened, talked to us, and told us, you know, some smart things, ideas, and whatnot. And I think if other teams, uh, you know, give that opportunity to have, uh, you know, a doctor in-house, a psychiatrist who can listen and you know, fix, help fix your problems, then a lot less guys will be, you know, abusing drugs or, you know, doing other things to uh, try and cope for mental health. I'm curious, Mitch, because at, at Northwestern, we had access to, uh, you know, mental health people, uh, the psychologists or psychiatrists, whatever, I forget, what, psychologists, that's the term I'm looking for, um, at Northwestern for the athletes. Did they have that for you guys at Michigan, too? Um. I don't think so. We don't hmm. think we did. Um, Surprising. I think I think I think we had. I think there was a psychologist that would talk to us, but I didn't know he was a psychologist. I think. 
I think that's my would have been. But he was like a guy who would always come in and just ha- you know hang out with us and shoot the shit and like pick our brains. And I'm like, who the hell is this guy? But I never really knew what his title was. But okay, I think about it. We might have had one. <laughs> okay. They, see, they told us that if you ever needed anything, you talk to your trainer or one of the trainers, and then they'd set you up, and it'd all stay private. No one ever had to know about it. Because I, I personally dealt with that myself my senior year. Um, but that was, that's a whole other thing. But, yeah, so I was just curious. Okay, interesting. So did you have anything else off of that, Tyler? Because I had two silly questions that I wanted to ask him before we let Mitch I just going. have one question to end the interview with, so go ahead. Oh, okay. So first, Mitch, how was Tyler at basketball? Because I have no idea. I haven't seen him play it. Was he any good? Yeah, he's a uh, lockdown defender. Lockdown. Yeah. <laughs> hey, yeah. Hey, I got you, dog. Don't think I don't hey. Don't tell him uh, I, I couldn't Ty. shoot once we transitioned no, from the women's ball listen, to the big ball. <laughs> when we were younger, Todd could flat out stroke it, dude. She was our shooter. It was uh, me and Scotty Homner and Tyler Devitt and uh, Jordan Peterson, DJ Vanderheer. Anyways, I'm not naming the rest, but <laughs> Tyler was our shooter, man, and Scott was our point guard, and I, I was just rebounding. I averaged like one point and like 16 rebounds. A I'm game. not even kidding. His stat line for like our fifth and sixth red games, two points in the paper. Mitch McGarry, two points, 24 rebounds. It was, <laughs> it was that. It was like that. It was like that. Wow. It was you know you know why it was because I would get my I would get the offensive rebound and I would huck it up off the backboard and then I'd get it again <laughs> and I'd do it again and I'd do it again. Ah, uh, stat patter, one of those guys. Damn, hey, I didn't take you for one of those. Had to do it. <laughs> no problem. So uh, the the last thing for me was so you mentioned we talked about how you went to Brewster Academy and of course uh, we had uh, our, my boss Rob Bradford, the editor of WEI.com, played there as well. And I'm curious, he's obviously a lot older than the three of us was his are you familiar with his name did you hear about him when you were going through the uh, halls at uh, Brewster Academy uh, I think I might have heard his name once or twice coach Smith might have mentioned him he said he's got a smooth jumper but uh that might have been back in the 80s uh <laughs> if, if he wants to go if he wants to go one-on-one let me know uh oh any anytime we'll, we'll go head-to-head in the Smith gymnasium <laughs> so you, do you know uh Jermaine Wiggins former football player uh, no, I do not. Okay, because he kicked Rob's ass in basketball, and he, <laughs> you'd probably own him. Yeah, all right. Well, it's Rob, you don't want none of that. <laughs> there you go. All right, Ty, go ahead and finish We'll, we'll send that to Rob. I like that. Um, <laughs> He's going to be so happy that he got brought up. We'll take a quick curveball here, Midge. I want to ask you an important question I've always wanted to ask you, and I don't know the answer to this, and I'm not, many, I'm not sure how many people do know. Are you done playing basketball? Uh, I knew you were going to ask this today. Um <laughs> I don't know, man. Uh, you know, my parents ask me daily, "Do you want to play?" Really? And yeah, I miss it. But um, yeah, I mean, I'm enjoying myself. I, I, you know, I don't, you know, I'm stress free. I'm out. I got you know, a homestead. I'm hanging out with my dog right now. I'm hanging out with some farm animals right now. Like, life can't really get any better for me. But if I was playing basketball, you know, it might be a little tad a little bit better. But um, I'm um, hoping to uh, get back into shape in the next year, and we'll see where things head. And, um, you know, definitely not this season, but if I did come back, I'd, I might have to go uh, overseas route first just to get, you know, acclimated to playing again. And uh, But, you know, if I wanted to, I think uh, the window is really closing on me pretty quickly. And, um, you know, it's got to be within the next year, next couple of years if I wanted to get back into playing playing uh playing shape it sounds like you've put a lot of thought into this oh hell yeah man I think about it every day but 
you know, I, I'm happy with where I'm at. Man. You know, you got to come out to my homestead. I got a nice little spot, and I'm relaxing this out winter, here. Bro. To... This winter, I'm already planning. Yeah. I got to put my vacation days in here soon. Yeah, he's he's booking his plane tickets right now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. But, uh, Mitch, we appreciate you taking the time. Do you have – oh, go ahead, Ty. Sorry. I was going to ask you, Mitch, if you were to come back, how – how soon do you think it would if you if you want to come back three months from now? Could you do it? What's the what is that timeline? You think if you decide uh, to come probably, back, how how soon could you get back in shape? I mean, probably like six seven months. I mean, my back's pretty shot, but I mean, if I did some rehab and, and stuff, but uh, I mean, I could probably be ready to play. I mean, I'm only we're 27. You know, I still got a few years right. left. Oh yeah, Perry, uh, I think your boy Perry's trying to Perry Jones trying to make a uh, looks comeback. good in the big yes, three. Yep. Yep. I know he is. I've been watching him, man, and uh, I'm I'm happy he's back playing. You know, Perry's had a bunch of injuries. Um, you know, not similar to me, but uh, you know his knees and stuff. But I'm glad he's back playing because dude is a freak athlete, and uh, he's a cool dude too. Real cool. Uh, I keep saying it's my last question, but this is truly my <laughs> last question. Did the last suspension for you, Mitch? Did that cause you to walk away and say, "I I don't need this. I have my money." Uh, d- is that what pushed you away? Was it something else um, that happened? W- what's the story there? No, it really wasn't uh, the last suspension. It was just kind of end of the season, and uh, uh, and then that was like uh, I was thinking about going over to uh, Spain, and uh, the Thunder had released me, and I was going to make a deal with Spain, and then some family issues came up. My both my grandparents got sick, and. I really wanted to go home. Um, just you know, I sound like Forrest Gump. I wanted to go home. <laughs> like I just wanted to go hang out with my family and you know spend some time and right. get away from all the stress. And then you know I didn't uh, I didn't plan on you know hanging up the shoes, but um, you know I, like I said, the window of opportunity is closing really fast. And if I want to go back out there, then you know I'll make it happen. But as of right now, I'm good. <laughs> So, Mitch, we really appreciate you setting aside time to talk with us. Uh, do you? I mean, it sounds like you're you're, you're pretty laid back right now. Uh, do you have anything that you'd want to plug that you got going on, like charities or anything like that you've been doing? Uh, no, I'm honestly, um, I haven't really been doing that much. I just moved up to Michigan. I've just been maintaining my property. I got about 20 acres of land. Um, trying this to. This dude's got all the toys. It's unbelievable. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but um, actually, I'm trying to get involved in uh, you know, like human- animal humane society, like shelters. Um, talking with somebody about doing an event here in the next couple of weeks uh, back in Northwest Indiana for the. I think I think it's just the humane society, but um, I don't know. I'd really love to get involved with animals and shelters. Uh, I'm a huge animal guy. Um, yeah, so you got animals, the, the two Dalmatians or one? I, I got two Great Danes. Oh, excuse me. Uh, just, yeah, no, they look like she looks like a Dalmatian. She's just huge, man. They're 130 pounds a piece. So, Jeez. Uh, but yeah, just love animals. So if I could do anything like that, it'd probably be you know going to shelters and trying to get involved in um, rescue dogs or something. Cool. He is Mitch McGarry, former well, Michigan Wolverine, former Oklahoma City Thunder. Not Big yet man. a former NBA. He is technically right now a former NBA player. Yeah, but he, he's that. leaving that door open. Yes. So. We appreciate you <laughs> spending so much time with us, brother. No problem, man. The door is slightly cracked open. But I uh, appreciate the opportunity for the podcast, man. I love the interview. love hanging out with you guys. So, uh, Ty, appreciate it, bro. Nick, thank you guys. Uh, and we'll talk soon. See you guys. What it do, baby? Yeah. I'm just trying to be alright with it, yeah I'm just trying to be alright with it, yeah I'm just trying to see the light in it I think we should take a ride with it, yeah.
I'm just trying to spend the night with it. Yeah. I just want to be alright with it. I'm just trying to see the light in it. I think we should take a ride with it. Hey, I got no resolutions. I'm just hoping for some. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.